And cue music. I don't know how many of you have heard, but there's a flesh-eating virus going around. Yeah, it's called music. Welcome back to another episode of the A sides. I called it the A sides. The A sides. Kind of like old people call Walmart the Walmart <laughs> and the Kroger. So hey, Andrew. Oh, speaking of that, I didn't realize that Kroger doesn't have an S on it. Dude, a lot that's of people. Everybody, adds everybody says S's. Kroger's. I know. Yeah, I'm going to Kroger's, and yeah. it's like it doesn't have an S. I guess. It doesn't. Common mistake. Yeah. I still do it. I grew up in this area. Everybody called it Kroger's, and I know it's Kroger. Yeah. And I'll say it, like, when I'm not thinking about it. I'll just be like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go down to Kroger's. You know. Oh, well. Huh. It's part of, you know, I at least never got into the whole Washington thing or oh. washed my clothes. Or I never got into that whole thing where you, like, add a My dad R. does that all the time. My Adds extra does. letters to stuff. Like, yeah. I think there's, like, what, Pella, Iowa is the city. Or there's Pella Windows. He says Patella, like the bone. And uh-huh. there's like a T in there. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's that generation. They just did what they wanted. They just ate fucking TV dinners and added extra letters into shit. (laughs) Well, hey, man. It's been a little while since we've recorded. This is the first one of the new year. Yeah, man. I'm excited. So happy new year to you and all our fellow listeners out there. Would you like to uh, inform them of what our topic is of today? Our topic today is top 10 songs of the Beatles. There you but go. But it's kind of a brain buster, I guess. I don't know how to how to describe that. Like, I don't know. It's like Well, a, there's no I yeah. It's not like I'm claiming that my list is yeah. right and it's the definitive top 10. Yeah. I there's too many songs. There's too many albums, too many yeah. great songs. I mean, I wouldn't say that I ever forget how great the Beatles are. I'm a big fan and everything, but, and one of my biggest pet peeves in the whole fucking world is when people say that the Beatles are overrated. Oh, I fucking just hate those people that say that. I used to be one of those people. I used to be a huge well, hater. I apparently hated who you used to be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I do. Well, I kind of do, dumb oh, kid. It's just so aggravating. It's just such a pretentious comment. I mostly yeah. hate it when I hear it from like people that are like songwriters or other musicians who should know or better something. or have yeah like you should know you better yeah. yeah like if you didn't really know anything but some of the poppy songs that were played on the oldies station from your childhood and you didn't dive into it and yeah. then i guess maybe i'll like excuse you for <laughs> you know not having the experience of yeah. you know diving in and finding their brilliance but if that's the case, though, and you don't dive into music that much, then you don't really have any business having an opinion and expressing it on any platform. So, <laughs> Well, what was your intro to the Beatles, or when did you kind of get into them then? Well, my intro to the Beatles, okay. So, geez, you're talking about a band that was, you know, 
around, obviously, before either one of us was born. But uh, I would probably say just uh, oldies radio. Like my dad listened mm-hmm. to 95.5 used to be an oldies station years and years mm-hmm. ago, like when I was like in grade school. And they always had like the super gold weekends where they'd have like all these 60s Oh, damn. Rock now it's like stuff. WIRL, I think, is the, the station like that, like an AM yeah. station. So yeah. like it was like 95.5 is now, and 95.5 was like the oldies station playing all like the 60s and yeah. stuff and, you know, Mamas and the Papas, the Beatles and all that fun stuff. And that's mostly what I remember hearing as a kid because that's what my dad always had on in the car. And my mom would have 93.3 back when there was KZ93 and it was all the modern pop shit, you know? Dude, like, my parents are the same way. Yeah. Uh, I can remember many a car rides, like, coming back from my grandparents because, like, they all lived fucking far away. So it was, like, an hour drive to my grandma's. You know, I can remember hearing a lot of oldies and, you know, a lot of the Beatles stuff that maybe I didn't even know it was the Beatles until I got older and started paying attention to music and knowing who artists were and whatnot. And then I remember my dad having, I don't remember him having any records of the Beatles, but I think by the time I could actually remember his record collection, he had gotten rid of a lot of it. A lot of it went to my uncle. And um, I do remember him buying Rubber Soul, though, on CD. Hmm. Because my dad, <laughs> he was like one of the first... Out of all of our dads, like, all of my other friends and stuff, like, none of their dads had a CD player yet. Because it was, like, mid-'80s, right? Like, into late-'80s, I guess, I'm, I'm talking. And, like, the compact disc didn't come out till 84. So you got to figure they were super expensive when they came out. And not everybody had them yet. But I remember my dad having one. In fact, I still have the Technic CD player I have over there. It's the one he bought in, like, probably 86, 87, somewhere around hmm. there. And... He only really had, I, at least at that time in my childhood, like a handful of CDs, and one of them was Rubber Soul. So I remember him. That was probably like the first time I kind of remember, remember hearing an entire Beatles album was that. And then I would say, aside from that, like when I really got into the Beatles was when the anthology, uh, the anthology series came out. It was on TV. So it was like a... They would play, like, an episode every night for, like, a week or something or two weeks. I can't really remember how it was broken up, but... I don't remember the show, but I remember, like, the CDs coming out. Yeah. Because there was, like, what, three volumes or yeah, like two volumes? Three. Yeah, there was three. Yeah. Because that was right there at that time. Like, they were putting the CDs out. Yeah. They made these docu- this big, extensive documentary and put the CDs out as kind of a companion piece. Hmm. Because then after the series ran on TV, they put it out on VHS, and it was like this big box set that was fucking massive, and I always wanted it, but it was so expensive. It was like 120 bucks back then for yeah. like eight VHS tapes, you know, or maybe even 10. I can't really remember. But I remember the box was seriously like fucking like two and a half, three feet long. It was like yeah. fucking so many hours of, you know what I mean? And yeah. I'd already seen it once on TV and I don't know like when I tried to sit through it all again I didn't really quite make it through yeah. but cuz I I had this brilliant idea that I was going to get the DVDs and fucking binge watch the whole thing and then it was like fuck dude like it was just so many hours of stuff you know and but it was cool I mean there's been so many cool Beatles documentaries and stuff and 
What was your intro to the Beatles? Mine was basically kind of the same as you, exactly, because we're like, well, we're the same age group. Right. But yeah, it was always exactly. like, I always dragged my feet, and I was always like, well, because my dad, how like you said, my dad was listening t- uh, to the oldies or had the AM um, station on, and then even going to church. I think if we went on Sundays, there was Beatle brunch. Right. So it was either on the way or the way back, and then if we went to church on Saturday, there was always something. Not, there was always something on with the Beatles, like the Beatle years. And I'm like, God, do we always have to listen to the fucking Beatles? And that's when I was younger. Then in my teenage years, I'm like actually getting into a bands and taking an interest in buying CDs like Metallica or a White Zombie. Right. And I'm like. Man, I just want to fucking listen to this stuff. And then there's kids in school when the anthologies came out, like in junior high. Right. And they're like, oh, my God, I love the Beatles. And I'm like, no, you don't. I mean, like, I don't know, man. Why don't you like s- stuff that's fucking, like, loud guitars and shit? Right. Yeah, so, like, I'm one of those haters. But then I became, I think almost kind of you kind of helped at least with a jellyfish and stuff. Because... Right. So I guess you just trace it back. Okay, the bands I listen to now, they all had to get some kind of influences. So if you um, go back in time and trace what you're listening to now, everything kind of almost goes back to the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's undeniable. So I'm with you on that. And, yeah, I get it. Like Even listening to Denny, there was a song on that, what is it, 10 and 2 album. There's something where there was a bridge or a breakdown in the song, and I'm like, dude, that even sounds like the Beatles right there. And I'm like, man. And he's like, yeah, like, yeah, that's a Beatles thing. Right. Even Dream Theater had a a Beatles thing and a bunch of their songs when you're looking at liner notes and stuff because I'm a geek for that. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's no denying it, man. It's, uh, fuck, they're the Beatles, dude. They're, (laughs) there's a reason they're revered as this, fucking thing this great yeah. entity that is like whatever this is i'm doing with my hands yeah. right now that no one can see when it's just this big thing you can't like i even wrote that down i was like you can't really escape it they're no. present everywhere yeah. yeah yeah well they were just such a such a creative force and they just changed rock and roll forever you know yeah and i don't know man they just put the whole like a band being a band that fucking wrote songs together and was creative and, you know, they practically invented the album, like the actual concept of putting 10 songs together that all worked as one unit. I mean... Yeah, because that's something that, like, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan. I have an appreciation and I obviously like the songs enough, but then going into this episode, I was excited because I'm like, well, I feel like I really need to do my homework. So I was looking stuff up it's a lot of homework, too. <laughs> and there was something that I read. I can't remember where I read it, but it basically said something like how, going back to what you just said, the Beatles, they basically redefined being a band because until they came around, bands had a really short shelf life. And right. sure, they only had maybe 10 years, but still, that was a long time for any band back <clears throat> then yeah. in the 60s. Bands were just boom and then gone. And look at how many records they had in 10 years. Yeah. Like, no fucking band does that now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. So fucking crazy. They were just so, they were just pumping shit out, man. So many great songs in a 10-year span. I mean, if they wrote all of those songs from 1960 
2003 or whatever till now, that would still be fucking impressive. Like, God, one band wrote yeah. that many songs, but they fucking did it in 10 years. They were kids. Yeah. yeah. In that uh, Get Back documentary, I think there was a comment about one of them, maybe McCartney, saying he was 28 at the time. That was, like, at the end of their fucking career, dude. Like, they did all that by the time they were, like, you know, 30 years yeah. old. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> Damn. And you got to figure George was even younger. He was, like, two years younger, I think, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Because I think when they formed, I want to say, like, yeah, I want to say John I was, like, 19. Think I didn't look at what uh, their ages were when they formed, but, like, this week George watching was like McCartney's 16, though. thing, I was like, how how old is Paul McCartney? He looks really good for his age, and he's going to be 80 this year in yeah. 2022. So, yeah, that's when I was looking at their ages or whatever, and it's like, yeah, they're all basically right the same age, and isn't Ringo, like, a, a older and then George is younger? Yeah, I think George was, like, I want to say he was 15 or 16 when he joined the band. And then I want to say McCartney was, like, 18, Lennon was... 19 and then obviously that was like kind of the pete best era and then they ringo came in and he was a guy that had been playing in other bands and shit i think for a while for like he kind of had a couple of years on him yeah. sounds like it parallels so. kiss a little bit because chris was older or uh, peter chris was right. older and then yeah 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 so there you go there's as much history as we can give yeah in some factual form well that's my story and i'm sticking to it well you know let's uh get into it then um i'm pretty excited because i don't i'm really interested to see if we actually have any similar picks on this because there's so many to choose from that it would be there are yeah it would be so easy for us to both have two completely different lists but then it's like I don't know. You never know. Like, if both of us stuck to mostly just like hits, or if we mostly just stuck to like all the weird shit, or we could end yeah. up having some commonalities here. So I don't know. I'm gonna preface this the same way as what you said. There's so many great like classic songs, but I kind of went with ones that maybe spoke to me a little bit more. So if I don't include it, it doesn't mean it's not a good song. Like there's oh yeah just. So many from. good ones. Yeah, there's songs I love that if they're they're not on my list, and if you said it right now, I'd be like, oh fuck, that's one of my favorite Beatles songs. Yeah. But it's not on my list. But that's how many. There's just too many. Yeah. It's just, it. I would say it was hard, but I didn't make this hard on myself. I knew that if I put too much thought into it, I would drive myself crazy. Like I had my handwritten list, but then I put a little bit more thought into it and said to myself, like, okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to try to put this in order, yeah. you know. So, anyhow, what is your number 10? My number 10 is one where I used to be like, oh, God. And even how I said I kind of slowly got into the Beatles, I'll, I'll say this up front. One point when I really kind of dove in was like about five years ago at the radio station, they had a Paul McCartney weekend, and I used to put together – the little uh, little sweepers or liners that go between songs, you know, that advertise the station. So I would get, like, the vocals from this guy. Like, it's a Paul McCartney weekend. And then it was up to me to put together little song clips. So since I'm putting these together, I kind of, uh, kind of dove more into the songs. And one of it was, like, 
yeah, you sing along with Hey Jude. And so I was always like, uh, fucking Hey Jude. I hate that song. But actually, that ended up being my number 10, Hey Jude. Here's why I'll say it made my list, because I went to the Wikipedia page and was reading about it, and like Paul McCartney wrote this song about John Lennon's uh, son, Julian, or whatever, yeah. and he actually visited him um, when they were going through like a divorce or separating. Right. So it kind of put it in perspective, like, you know, like it's a heartfelt song, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Dude, this is really deep. And I love that song, yeah. you know? It's funny because I didn't even consider that one for my top ten, but it's a great song. It's kind of like I said before, like, it's really easy to just go, to have, it's going to be easy through this whole thing for you to say something and me to go, fuck, that's one of my favorite Beatles songs. Yeah. Not on my list, but, <laughs> you know... So. Yeah, because I guess where I was going to sum it up is like that's one that's probably on the radio a lot. So you kind of are like, uh, Beatles, or like at least for me, you know, Pearl Jam, like their first album's always on the radio. Right. So I don't really want to go and listen to that. But then when you listen to it with like a fresh perspective, it sounded like it hit me totally different. Right. Well, that when it's not on the radio, like yeah. if you go out of your way to listen to it, when you want to listen to it, then it's like a totally different thing, too. Yeah. And that's such a big, great chorus, dude. That whole outro, yeah. the whole kind of crowd yeah. singing kind of thing, you know? And yeah. Just when fucking McCartney just breaks into those, like, kind of screams and stuff that he does, and, you know, it's just that raspiness. It's, it's always so great, man. I love it when he does that. Yeah. Because he's got such a clean voice. And then when he kind of goes into like his, you know, wow, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, like yeah. throws those in and shit. And it's like, ah, fuck, dude. So, yeah, it's so badass, man. So, yeah, well, like, I, I guess I was hesitant because it seemed like a basic bastard yeah. to pick, but I guess it kind of is. I could see but... that, but there's, you know, even their basic bastard stuff was so fucking good. Yeah. It's the Beatles. All right. Well, my number yeah. 10. So, you know, I kind of realized my first one's kind of a weird one right out the gate, I guess. But this was the first song written after the death of Brian Epstein after he had passed, you know, from a drug overdose and mm -hmm. stuff. So this was like the Beatles coming in without. Because, you know, like if you know a lot about fucking Epstein yeah, was as he their like manager. The fifth yeah, well, yeah. he was kind of known as like, yeah, he was like the their dad almost, you know, and. uh I think it was like after he died, they didn't know how to, they were like, fuck, what do we do? You know? And a lot of mm -hmm. people believe that that's why they broke up was because it was like, there was no one to be the father figure that was keeping these four yeah. creative forces, these giant personalities that, you know, could easily go off and do their own thing. And this guy was probably the glue that needed to keep them together. And anyhow, mm -hmm. whatever, I'm going on a totally different rant here, but Somebody anyhow, steer the ship. Yeah, you know, so this one's just kind of funny. I mean, when you think about that, because it's definitely like the first, at least from what I'm remembering right now, top of my head, it's probably like the first like really weird song, and it's still one of their weirdest songs. Uh, and John Lennon wrote it, I Am the Walrus from Magical Mystery Tour. No. <laughs> yeah. I Dude, I've always just loved it. I remember the first time I heard it, I just thought, what the fuck? Like, this is so weird, and the lyrics were so weird, but <laughs> it's just always so cool, too, like, every time I hear it. And you got to figure, like, 
the quirkiness of that song, it just influenced so much of jellyfish, like being a big jellyfish mm-hmm. fan like we are. Like, think about how many songs on Spilt Milk had just like, there was like these moments of really weird, quirky lyrics that, you know. Yeah. And I think that that, I think this one song alone probably influenced them in so many ways, you know. So, hmm. I don't know. Huh. That's my thought on it, but I've always loved yeah. that song, dude. It's like one of the it's one of the really weird, truly weird songs they've done that I feel is really fucking good. Like it's weird as fuck, but still a really good song. Whereas there's some stuff where they started experimenting a little too much and it's like, ah, okay, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying not to laugh because I got a a really, really, really weird one, so I can't really say That's fine. Um what's weird and what's yeah. What's a level of weird versus another level of weird? Yeah. <laughs> well, I won't say anything. Man. I don't want to speculate on what that pick is. So. But yeah, dude, like Goo Goo Gachu. Like, who the fuck puts that in a song? You know? But the lyrics are just... And dude, I learned it one time because I was like doing some... I tried to work it into some of the acoustic sets and stuff. And man, I could never remember the chord progressions without a cheat sheet because it was like, normally I just need the fucking lyrics. I can't remember yeah. lyrics for shit. I can usually remember the chord progressions really well. Like once I learn uh-huh. a song, I'm just, I've got it. But this one was just weird. It was really unique. Like, so hmm. it was like each verse was different slightly, you know what I mean? And I, it was just uh, such a brilliantly written song. So Damn, that's one I didn't really dive into. Because Plus, I he think is it's the Eggman. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. He is the Eggman. Uh, and, he, and he's the walrus, so I don't know. Well, go ahead with your number nine, Andrew. All right. Now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm all self-conscious now. My number nine is a weird one, and it's one that I think they actually hated. But uh, from Abbey Road, it's Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Yeah, I mean, you went weird there. But. Yeah, it's a dumb one, and they hate it, but at the same time, <laughs> I like it. I'm not saying it paves the way, but if you think about it, Alice Cooper has all these kind of quirky lyrics, you know? Right. And then even, I was thinking about it, like, a GNR had a song, I used to love her, and then I had to kill her. Well, here's a song about a dude killing people with a hammer. <laughs> I get it. Not one of my favorites. And it's catchy. But, bang, bang, you know, it's one that when I hear it, I, I sometimes go say to myself, like, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot. It's the, always the one that when I listen to Abbey Road, it's one of the ones on there where I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, fuck, I kind of forgot about this one, you know? Yeah, because there are some huge, huge songs on the album, and then there's, like, this. So it almost kind of maybe stands out like a sore thumb. Right. But, I'm um, not gonna lie. Like I thought you were gonna say something else. But oh, okay. I'll, well, I. But you probably have another one off of there that. I was actually so. reading about this, <laughs> and even like George, I think was saying that this song was an example of egotism, like because Paul McCartney spent so much time perfecting this song, and he's like, "Yeah, we spent so much time working on this dumb pop song when we've got all these other songs that we could be like that could have as much attention to it." Yeah. So hmm. probably why they hate it. Yeah. That's an interesting curveball, though, to go from yeah. Hey Jude to that is like, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, I'm weird. You start like, off musical with this, whiplash or something. You start off with this super basic bitch, you know, basic bastard uh, hit single type 
Beatles song that's overplayed, and then you go to just a super obscure, kind of oddball. I would call forgettable. Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, it's whatever, man. To each their own. I don't know, but I like some of that quirky shit sometimes. But I get it. I get it. Yeah, so what's your number nine then? My number nine is from Rubber Soul. And man, I you know, I didn't realize it till I made this list and started looking at it how much John Lennon was, you know, uh, I'm leaning towards. You know, it's just weird. Like, I, hmm. whatever. I'll just get yeah, that, I won't spoil anything, oh, okay. but I'll just say that. Like, because you always have the Lennon-McCartney. Uh, that's how they're credited all the time. But then there's, like, certain songs that were more McCartney, more Lennon, or all Lennon, all McCartney. Huh, the but next... they still kind of just co-credited the shit because they worked on it together yeah. or whatever. I mean, that's just how a lot of it started. But Huh. So are you going to lean more Lennon and I'm leaning more McCartney? I don't know. I didn't I didn't realize I did until uh-huh. I made the list and then I kind of was like, oh fuck, you know, but um but my number 9 number 9 number 9 number 9, sorry. Uh, <laughs> is Norwegian Wood. This bird has flown from Rubber Soul. Damn. Dude, that's probably my favorite in my opinion, the best Beatles record ever. Huh. And I think just because it was such a turning point from them doing like kind of the let's call it like the boy band pop era of the Beatles. Yeah, because I used to say they're like a boy band with guitars, basically. Yeah. So, you know, from the start of them doing Chuck Berry covers to, you know, Please Please Me. I Am the Walrus and and getting all experimental. Yeah, so to me, like, Rubber Soul is the album that was the turning point, right? Like, that's when they, this was the first fucking, like, album as far as the concept of an album goes, and the songs were really creative, and there was some really creative moments in it and everything, but they didn't go that far out there. They didn't quite go I Am the Walrus yet. So I just remember that song, Norwegian Wood, always, it just always stood out to me so fucking much, man. Hmm. Like as a kid, like when I first heard the album, it was like the one that stood out. It wasn't like the most poppy song. And I didn't realize how much love this song had until, although. The Beatles are so big, and we're so many years into this, that like every single Beatles song probably has a life of its own at this point, where there's a fucking entire cult out there based around a each Facebook song. group dedicated to each song. Or yeah, something. but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just didn't realize until, like, I think John Karabi covered it one night. Oh, really? When I saw him, I think maybe the night that I opened for him there in Pekin, that he, I think he covered the song. I know I've seen him yeah. cover it. I've. And it's just, like, weird, because when I see artists cover this song, I just think to myself, like, ah, fuck, I didn't realize how many people loved that song. Like, I think for so many years, I didn't realize how many people loved it, because it wasn't a hit, and I just thought it was, like, mine. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I just, I don't know (laughs) what it was, dude. And I just thought the opening lyric was just, it was so simple, and it was just, you know... I wanted a girl, or should I say that she wanted me, and, you know, whatever, like... There's like a simplicity to it and then a brilliance at the same time. It was like a pop song, but not really a pop song. It was super stripped down sounding, and it was a love song, but without being like, I want to hold your hand, you know. So, I don't know. Great song. I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, Dude, I am in agreement to, like, not on this song, but 
uh, the Rubber Soul album because when I kind of went from only listening to them on the radio to then listening to them in my own time, like uh, my aunt used to always go on vacation in the spring. So I would like, you know, go over and water her plants or, you know, let her dogs out or whatever. And so there was one time, like it was like 10 years ago or so, I was going through her uh, CDs and was just kind of like what I did with you. I was going to copy some stuff and listen to it. She had Rubber Soul and and Revolver. So those are the first two Beatles albums that I actually listened to as an album, not just a song on the radio or like a one-off. Well, and those two albums were back-to-back. And they were the albums that pretty much drove fucking, uh, you know, Brian Wilson fucking crazy. Because it was like, <laughs> Rubber Soul came out, and then he was like, I gotta top that, you know? You know? Yeah. And he puts pet sounds out, then he hears Revolver and just wants to fucking kill himself, because it's like, <laughs> he just couldn't, you know? Yeah. It just drove him nuts, man. It was like, he was trying to, and he was brilliant, I mean, he wasn't trying to do anything, but he was at the same time, but uh, I guess he didn't need to try to do anything, is probably what I meant to say, but... Um, he's putting too much pressure on himself. But he was just, I mean, he was a fucking genius, and that just tells you how ingenious those two records were because they were driving a fucking genius insane. <laughs> and Oh, man, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just, those are, those are, I mean, there's a lot of great fucking songs between those two records, and that's such a yeah. brilliant, like, that's the best era of the Beatles weird to talk about it in an era but there kind of was like several eras in that short 10 years you know but yeah dude they were just on fire then man like it was hard to not make my entire list just rubber soul i mean there were so many great songs on that uh michelle is a fucking great song well here's the spoiler (laughs) is nowhere man that is one i have in parentheses over here because it probably would have been in my top 10 but some other stuff knocked it out but it's I really like that. Painful for that to not be on my and list. Speaking of other bands, like doing stuff and then me taking a look or whatever at the like a closer look at the Beatles was there's a Dokken album where they actually covered this. They're doing like an acoustic thing and they the covered no, the, Nora Man. Yeah, oh, I hate Don Dokken, so I don't ever want to hear that. But oh, <laughs> I shouldn't. I don't. I don't yeah. probably quite hate Dokken. Well, it's like probably Jim propped up Dokken, with but... Jeff Pilson's vocals and stuff, like everything else. Right, but. So I believe our next stop is number eight. He's number eight. All right. This is another basic bastardy, like maybe one of the even more basic bastardy than Hey Jude. But this is a song where it makes me think of uh, Chris or Pudge and it's uh, come together. He, like, loved Aerosmith, and he let me borrow this big box set thing or something. How I said I kind of, like, you know, borrowed stuff or took stuff from everybody's CD collections. He he let me borrow this big Aerosmith box set, Box of Fire, oh, that had the little fire, match yep. thing on it. <coughs> that was awesome, yeah. So I copied all those CDs, and then we even saw this band Congos on the riverfront, and they covered Come Together. So it's kind of like a thing where, too, through other bands covering Beatles songs, right. I gained an appreciation and then now whenever I hear this, I think of Chris. Uh, so, And nobody's never – there's, like, no band out there that hasn't covered that song. 
Yeah. Like, I've covered that yeah, song. Yeah, true. Because I, saw, <laughs> you know, I even I saw Bush years later, and they covered it. Yeah. It's a great song, you know? Yeah. Not on my list, but... And speaking of, like, weird lyrics, song. too, like Monkey Finger. And, oh, yeah, dude. You know. Toe Jam Football. <laughs> yeah. There's such great such great <laughs> lyrics in that that it's like, where the fuck did you guys come up with this shit? But, yeah. You know, it just... That just... That's a true testament to, like, why you shouldn't, if you're a songwriter, don't overthink your lyrics. Like, your lyrics don't have to be this brilliant work of art on paper like i think sometimes if you got a good riff or a good you know I lick mean, that's all yeah. you kind of need too that song's just so catchy and it's ridiculous like yeah. what the fuck does it even mean you know yeah. so <laughs> yeah so, so that's my number eight so i mean all right well it's a sentimental one and if it's got sentimental i mean yeah you know um yeah, there's millions of things that I come across. It seems like almost every day they remind me of Chris. It's weird, yeah. but, you know. Funny how that works, man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my number eight is actually, I believe, without spending too much time looking at the rest of my list, <laughs> this should be. This is, I think, my only main Paul McCartney song. So a song that Paul McCartney wrote, but John Lennon... I believe I'm trying to think. I think maybe there's like a a part in the middle that he wrote or whatever that whatever the case was. But again, these were all credited Lennon McCartney and this was mainly a Paul McCartney song. So from Sgt. Pepper, getting better. Oh, oh, okay, cool. I feel like that's on your list now. <laughs> Just yeah, by the way you yeah. looked at your uh, it's my number five. Oh, okay. Well, spoiler alert, but Yeah. Yeah, dude, I I've always loved this song, man. It's just got such a poppy, you know, just that 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 riff with the kind of staccato riff thing where it's dun 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 dun, <laughs> you know, and then it kind of goes into like that uh, pre-chorus thing or whatever, where it kind of goes into like a halftime kind of groovy blues feel kind of thing yeah. where, and then the backing vocals kind. Of, so I actually covered this in a very short-lived cover band. Oh, really? For like five minutes, we did a lot of really cool weird shit, and probably me and the other guy were not good enough singers to be pulling off like what we were trying to do. Cause like I was coming in <laughs> yeah. and doing like the high pitched, like backing vocal. Cause he was like singing lead on it. And I was coming in and having to do like, you know, and we were like a three piece and the drummer didn't sing. So it was like the harmonies really weren't there. And we should, but it was cool because it was such a challenge to like learn something like that and huh. try to pull it off as a three piece. And you know, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I probably wouldn't do it again now unless I had, like, yeah. the ultimate band with me that everybody could sing and we'd fucking really knock it out of the park. But I've just, you know, I think sometimes when you're a musician and you learn something that's really challenging like that and you realize the brilliance of the composition when you learn it, it just changes your perspective of the song. And then, like, I never didn't like the song, but that's probably what pushed it from being, like, a song that was, I was a fan of it too. Now it's like always going to be one of my all time favorite Beatles songs. Oh, yeah. And so that was one that hit my list like without even having to think about it. Yeah, the same. I really like the shifts, like what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah, because like, it almost is herky jerky in a way, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like, you know what it reminds me of? It's a musical version. Have you ever listened to Jim Gaffigan? 
not super familiar with him. Where he always makes a joke, and then he does a voice mocking his own joke, where he's like, la, 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 la. and then he's got this voice where he's like, oh, he's going to hell. Or he's got this kind of like <laughs> weird, like grandma voice. That's almost kind of what that is like, because it's like, it's starting to get better. Well, it can't get any worse. It's like that kind of like... Yeah. The like, the one a little angel on your shoulder and then the bad angel or something. It's sure. got the two different perspectives and then even like I used to beat my woman or whatever when it goes into that <laughs> weird little thing and it's like I wasn't very nice or I don't know how it goes, but it's got that weird little <laughs> shift in there, the John Lennon stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see I think that's where yeah. I think that's kind of the Lennon thing is and that's I think that's why it worked. It yeah. was like fucking <laughs> it's just, I think yeah, you're onto something there like Paul McCartney probably, I'm speculating here, but you know he wrote this nice pop song, and then John Lennon was like, "Well, what if I do this to it?" And he came in with yeah. all this shit that was almost like pushing back against everything yeah. that McCartney wrote. But God, dude, and that's the thing is like you watch that Get Back documentary, and the thing that fucked me up was how lucky they were to have each other. Like, fuck, I would fucking kill to have another artist that I could just sit and like. Like, if you were a songwriter and we could just sit here and I could come up with something and you would just know where the fuck I was. Like, oh, you just yeah. would take one look at what I was doing, barely, and you knew right where the fuck I was at. Like, they just were always on the same page. And then John just would fucking fire back with something and it'd be like, oh, that was the song. And it just was like, you watch him work, and I'm sure it was like probably, okay, it's an eight-hour documentary, but some of these moments were way more drug out than that because it was mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours and hours of fucking footage like something crazy i don't remember like 30 hours of footage or something that he condensed down to eight for the documentary but i was like god damn dude like what are the odds of two people that fucking brilliant coming together and you know like- people always shit on like i love george harrison i mean it's no secret pretty much anyone that knows us knows that my son's named after George Harrison, yeah. but um, you hear a lot of people are like, oh, George Harrison was such a brilliant songwriter. They should have let him write more songs. I agree. He was totally a brilliant songwriter and wrote some of my favorite Beatles songs ever. Hmm. Spoiler alert, maybe yeah. a little bit. But yeah. point is, like, dude, <laughs> but if you had fucking two forces like John Lennon and Paul McCartney, they come together, they form this fucking band, and they're writing the songs that they're writing like – anybody's just going to tell everyone, just shut the fuck up. Let John and Paul work. You guys just kind of come in and do your thing that you do. And like, like you know, yeah. the fact that George Harrison and Ringo got anything on a record ever is a fucking miracle because like these guys <laughs> were just writing so many fucking great songs. I mean, and I'm not even taking it. I actually made a note on that or whatever. Yeah. I actually made a note on that, but like, is it when you get to the part where Octopus's Garden is your number one song? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, like, but I specifically started even doing math, and I'm not even a math guy, but I'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll get into that up. later. Anyhow, I could go on a whole yeah, like, other we're derailing rant. This yeah, I, I'm derailing it. I almost just started Disney talking Plus. about something else, and I was like, well, that's going to be 15 minutes down a totally other mm. a different path. So, I believe we are at your number 7. Yeah. You've been leaning more Lennon. I've been leaning McCartney. Sorry. Right. Well, now this is a George Harrison song, number seven, I, Me, Mine from uh, Let It Be. And that's song. one that actually until this week or the last two weeks, I had never listened to the entire um, Let It Be album. Right. 
And so this was my first experience going in there with the album. Like I'd heard, you know, songs and, you know, stuff from it. But uh, this song really stood out to me. And it's really cool. And it knocked a couple songs off my list. But it's yeah, great I just like the same thing with the shifts because the verses are different than the chorus. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's more funny. like a rock song in the ah, me, me, mine. But then yeah. the verses are like not like rock song. I think Let It Be, it's funny because I think maybe some people ignore that album until recently with the documentary and stuff. They probably ignored it because of two reasons. One, you have hits like Let It Be, The Long and Winding Road, Get Back, all pretty much like big hits that are overplayed, right? Yeah. Like they've just been played to death, especially like, the song let it or you be hear the greatest hits so you're like i don't i really don't need to listen to this album as much because yeah. you know. and they're great songs i love those ballads i mean i still think that you know let it be is god as overplayed as it is like just the opening fucking lyrics when i'm in my hour of darkness mother mary comes to me yeah. speaking words of wisdom let it be it's like fuck dude i just you know chills shot down my yeah. fucking spine just saying the words and thinking about it like that's a fucking really beautiful song um, but they're when they put out back, geez, probably twenty years ago or more. Oh, the Let It Be Naked. Yeah, that was when like I dove into Let It Be. I bought it just because I was like, oh, yeah. Everybody says Let It Be is overproduced. I guess yeah, whatever, right? Like they added you know strings to fucking uh, uh, Long and Winding Road and stuff, and people bitch about that. Uh, and say that, you know, Phil Spector completely fucked the whole record mm-hmm. up. But whatever. I mean, I don't feel that way, <clears throat> I guess. I didn't hear it when it came out, so I've lived with that record and all the recordings from it my entire life. So I don't have the opinion of, like, oh, I had this expectation. Yeah. But then, but then I do understand why people say that and bitch it about it more now because, like, when you watch the documentary and you realize that they were doing all this shit live – and that they literally, they wanted it to just be the four of them playing the songs in one take. They just wanted it to be, like, live, basically. And, yeah, when I bought the Let It Be Naked thing, that was when I really dove into a lot of those songs on that record. And and then it's funny because, yeah, there's some really good songs that aren't hits that really stand mm-hmm. out. And then if you watch that documentary... The really funny thing. I don't remember if it was in the documentary or if I read it somewhere else or heard it somewhere else. I don't know. I've had a handful of discussions regarding that documentary too. But I mean, mine was actually, I guess George Harrison wrote it about Paul McCartney and his like being a control freak. Yeah, maybe back to the Maxwell uh, Silver Hammer stuff. Kind of like, you know, it's always his thing. Which you watch that documentary, dude, and it's like, well, Paul McCartney brought a lot of fucking songs in, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. Let It Be was kind of his record, you know? Yeah. So. I actually wrote this down, actually a quote from George Harrison. It said something like, I'd I'd have to wait through uh, 10 of their songs before they'd listen to one of mine. Yeah. So that's how I said I did some math. Right. I actually went back and the wheel started turning in my head, so I don't know if you want me to go down that road right now. <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> but so that that started uh, turning the wheels in my head. It's because I knew George Harrison obviously didn't have a whole 
lot of like as many and you even touched on that you're like well these guys are such powerful songwriters it's like well you just got to like make room for this or you know whatever so then i noticed that a lot of my list does have some george harrison and i was like i was like I think where I went with this was I was like, how many did he actually have compared to them? So I went to the Wikipedia page that says <laughs> the discography. Did the math. And there's 13 Beatles albums. So I looked at the credits, and I'm not going to do the entire thing uh, album by album, but for the first Beatles album, George had zero, and Lennon and McCartney are credited uh, with eight, and I went album by album. So... Overall, just like I know Hey Hey Jude was like a single, not an album song. So I just went by the albums. But if you're going by all the albums, George Harrison was credited to only 18 songs, whereas Lennon and McCartney were credited to 145 songs. So then I was like, shit, he's right. He had like one out of every 10. But then I looked at it, and I think it was like he actually had about one-eighth of the song. So that might be a hair above 10%. Hmm. But well, he's pretty much right on track, though. If he's saying yeah. that in an offhand comment, he really, right. he, like, literally did. And it, yeah. Well, and a lot of it, you know, probably doesn't come down to whether or not they thought he was a good enough songwriter or not. It just comes down to <clears throat> they were, you know, for every five songs that George Harrison wrote, Lennon and McCartney probably had 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then the other thing you got to figure, he was the kid. They were yeah. like the bigger brothers, so yeah. they probably like, he was probably intimidated at first to where he didn't try to write and put. Yeah, because it looked like he actually songs. didn't even, like he was like zero one one one, and then he starts finally getting two. So yeah, like you're saying, it kind of took a while right. to him to maybe warm up to it or even get confidence. His brilliance was too. recognized. He can just, yeah. but yeah, at the time yeah. it was probably a, it but was probably disheartening at moments, you know, like he started discovering himself and. Yeah, even like Ace Frehley, he wrote songs but didn't actually sing. It took him a while to actually gain confidence to right. sing. He's not really, he's like a very limited vocalist, but still. <laughs> like our whole discussion about talk to me. Yeah. yeah. I just need some conversation. Talk to me. He. Yeah, that's me. why. He. <laughs> That's why we didn't let you take that many songs, Ace. All right, man. Talk about lyrical brilliance. Talk to me. Talk to me. I just need some conversation. Well, that is what talking is. (laughs) What's your number six, man? (laughs) Sorry, dude. Number seven. I haven't done my number seven yet. Okay. So my number seven goes back a ways. Like, this is the one that, um, you know, not to kind of spoiler alert my list, but I feel like... Most of my shit was pretty later on. Most of my stuff that made my top ten list was later on, like the later Beatles stuff, uh, Rubber Soul and After. And that's not really to discredit anything, because there's a lot of songs I really love from the early stuff. Um, One song that just popped in my head, Misery, that's a great fucking song. I think that's off with the Beatles, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Anyhow, it's not the song that's on my list, but... <clears throat> just another example of a great early Beatles song that's, you know, maybe not even a, a big hit. But uh, no reply from For Sale, Beatles For Sale. So I think no reply to me has always been one of my favorite, like, 
like we kind of referred to it as the boy band era earlier. Yeah. You know? So from that era, that early era where they kind of were just playing your straightforward pop rock and roll hits, you know, kind of stuff. Your, I saw her standing there, twist and shout, and that kind of shit. I think No Reply was like, that was a song that was like one of the earlier signs of their fucking just brilliance. Like, this is a pop song. It's catchy, but there's something different about it. You know, and I, you can't really put your finger on it because it's not maybe some crazy, unique composition or a strange chord progression. It's just, but there is something different about it, you know. It mm-hmm. kind of, it has like a, it starts off kind of happy like da-da-da-da-da, and then it kind of breaks into this. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, it, it's that shift. Yeah. And that's what makes it so fucking awesome. It's so brilliant, man. I love that song, you know. And it's like one of those songs where every time I hear it, I say that. Like, fuck, this is like my favorite early Beatles song. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn. It's rock and roll, man. It's like them. It was the first, I don't know, maybe the first sign of a little punk rock in there, you know, just the way it kind of well, goes Something deeper below the surface. Die, <laughs> you know, it's fucking, yeah, I don't know. Some some things you just can't put into words. Mm. I just sit here and I tap on my table and shout poorly. <laughs> a mumbled version of the lyrics and, but this fucking song's awesome, mm. man. I would love to cover that song. That's such a great song, you know, but. Speaking of no reply though, when you mentioned that, you reminded me of "Lots All the Light." I'm just gonna keep singing that. Of another Beatles thing, like a entry point into the Beatles was the earlier 2000s. This is like I don't remember how I got into this, but it was prior to like YouTube. But I came across a group called Beatallica, where they did Beatles and Metallica songs, and they mashed them up. And it was the first time I ever heard a mashup. Man, that sounds terrible. Yeah, so like a lot of their, it was like a really big novelty thing, but a lot of their songs were like mashing up the song titles. Like it was like no. Enter the Walrus. No uh, remorseful reply. So they did No Remorse and No Reply. And then there was Got wow. to Get You Trapped Under Ice. Oh, wow. And That's Injustice for All My Loving. Huh. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's some of the. A Sergeant Pepper's Motor Breath Pub Band <laughs> was the big thing. Yeah. So they like so they basically had a dude who who was doing a really bad Hetfield impression like ooh 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 <laughs> yeah, over yeah. these Beatles um you know yeah. songs so that's basically what the gimmick was but yeah so you remind me of that all right my number six is another Lennon McCartney basically kind of how I said these Beatles Metallica mashups this is a mashup of two songs. Right. And number six is A Day in the Life. Yep. That's my number three. Just Oh, okay. But we'll get to that when we get yeah. to it. We'll try to stay on track. Otherwise, yeah. we might wind up jumping yeah. around and losing ourselves. But, but dude, this <laughs> this was probably my first favorite Beatles song. When, you know, your first, I was first getting into Beatles and actually oh, looking yeah. at stuff before that. This is the first one that really made me go, holy cow, this is a cool song. Yeah. Lyrically, it's so fucking just, Yeah. It's yeah, just, but it's every cool. Time it's like some it. kind of epic, you know, prog rock. They do these twenty-minute shifts of da 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 da, and then it goes, and it's like this. That they drew in these 
big rush and dream theater like prog shifts in like right. a four minute pop song yeah and it's just like holy shit dude like, yeah that's dude that's I, all i need to say is yes yeah. it's like an epic song in like four minutes <clears throat> yeah well i'm not gonna argue with you because there's a reason it's all the way up at number three for me like it is just not only is it such a brilliant composition and is so many different things into one that works mm. together as one yeah the lyrics man fuck I mean, it's just one of those that it just, the lyrics just hit you, you know? I I don't know what it is, but it's just like a journey and listening to the lyrics and everything. And there's so many visuals, like you can just sit and listen to that song and so many different things can run through your head. And I remember, so I went uh, to Vegas, the first time I went to Vegas and we saw the Beatles love uh, Mm -hmm. Circus Olay thing. Yeah, you even have a magnet on your fridge. I just saw that. Yeah. There. And it was such a bummer because fuck, we drank like such idiots. Um, <laughs> we were there, you know. Was you a don't group. even remember it. It was like well, a no, I remember it, but um, fuck, our tickets were for like ten o'clock at night. Okay, so imagine because we were there with like we were like the old couple out of everybody besides like my parents, but like my brother was getting married, and so it was all like his friends and shit that were there, and then like her friends and family too. Oh, I remember when you went. Sorry, side note, side note. Was that when you tried to go see Guns N' Roses out there before well, it was Axel and like Slash? Because didn't you go out there with them? They were out there. Yeah, they were playing that same night we went to the Beatles Love thing. Yeah. And they didn't go on. Dude, it was like midnight because everything was fucking late there. I mean, it, and so, uh, yeah, the concert was at like fucking midnight. <laughs> and you know, which you're in Vegas. I mean, dude, the first night we didn't we didn't get in till by the time we checked into our hotel and hit the fucking first casino, it was midnight. But uh this was like three nights in and we had like barely slept. You know, we only got like three hours of sleep the first two nights. We were up till the sun was coming up. <laughs> I mean and we were like I said, we were the we were the oldest couple out of all the young people that were hanging out and drinking all day. And we were at the fucking pool, sun beating down, blah, blah, blah. So we go to the Beatles love thing, and we had drank all fucking day. We were so tired. I was so excited to see this thing, too. And we get there, and it's like the fucking lights go down. And it's 10 o'clock at night, and we've been drinking all day. So it was such a huge fucking production, and it was so beautiful, and it was so fucking hard to stay awake. (laughs) And it wasn't because it was boring. It was epic. It was yeah. this fucking... I couldn't believe how cool it was. I was so overwhelmed with how cool it was. But physically, I was so fucking ran down that, I mean, it was just... <laughs> I couldn't... You know, I, I remember I got like... The, I probably still have the cup up there somewhere, but I bought like this, you know, big like $25, $30 margarita, right? That came in like this... Uh, it was like a lemonade margarita thing or some shit. And it was like kind of the main drink of the show or whatever. And it came in this, you know, Beatles love cup and everything. And I'm sitting there drinking it and I could like, I'm like, man, this is so awesome. But I'm like falling asleep at the same time, (laughs) like drinking this giant margarita. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. I could cry. (laughs) And then like shaking myself awake and stuff. And then Courtney's sitting there like dozing off and I'm hitting her and it's like, God damn it, this is beautiful, wake up. <laughs> but for some reason, this song, A Day in the Life, is 
like I think one of the moments in that whole thing that I just remember the most, you know, and I don't remember. It's just funny because I don't remember what the fuck really happened as far as what all the people flipping around doing all this fancy shit was doing, but they're doing all that. There's crazy. There's a bunch of cool lighting and there's a bunch of cool videos, like big ass fucking projected, uh, you know, pictures and videos and stuff. And it just, I just remember that being the moment when that song came on where I was like, fuck dude, like the chills hit and everything. Mm. And it was really fucking. Yeah. Yeah, You didn't have to fight to stay awake because you're just hit me in the feels dog. You did your number six, mm-hmm. which was my number three. So I guess I'll retread that. We won't talk about it much once we get to it. But um, so my, your number six. My number <laughs> six. My number six is from the White Album. And again, another uh, John Lennon song. And he sang, he sang this one as well as being, you know, the primary writer. It actually kind of has like a unique like double track like he did like this double track kind of vocal thing on there that kind of I don't know gives it a unique kind of sound but happiness is a warm gun. Oh, nice. First of all, it's cool. a really cool fucking title. Yeah. <clears throat> I think maybe it's just one of my favorite songs because I've listened to it so much because it's like that's such a cool title. I want it to be one of my favorite songs. <laughs> now, I always, you know what? I got into this song back when the anthologies came out. And there was, like, a weird one of the takes or demos on the anthology thing, I think, on uh, maybe the second or third anthology. There was kind of a weird version of it and stuff. Kind of, I think, I, I want to say there was, like, an acoustic version of it. I don't even fucking remember. But I always thought it was really cool how it, when it goes into kind of the break, the, like, kind of halftime thing, you know? You know, and then it just opens up. Boom! Happiness is a warm gun. Bang, bang, shoot, shoot. You know, it's got like that big, like this big anthem type pop chorus. But like, I don't know, man. Like the rest of the song, it's it's back to that. Like, there's several different parts. It sounds almost like five fucking songs poured into one song and somehow it works like if we were in a band together and you came to me we were like i got these five ideas i'd be like dude that's not one song like that mm. will never work as one fucking song what are you doing you're on crack <laughs> <laughs> you know so and like if i came up with those five different things <clears throat> it'd be five different songs there's no way i could i could take those five things and put them into this one fucking yeah. thing and make it this one brilliant song and it's just i don't know man it's just so fucking good but you're saying he can make it flow. Yeah, there's just fluid. He just takes these choppy. It's like he just takes chaos and turns it into this fucking song, you know. And dude, when it opens up and that chorus hits, you're just like, every time I listen to it, I think it. I think, how the fuck did they get here? <laughs> you know, that's the brilliance of that song, dude. It's like, and I don't know. Any time that the song gets in my head, I either have like the the whatever like the pre-chorus thing the like halftime thing where it kind of goes into the dun, 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 you know and then it goes into the mother superior dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know mother, the whole mother superior yeah. thing right and then <clears throat> you know it's like i either get that part in my head or i get the chorus in my head but it's like i never get the song in my head as an entire song 
It's like I either wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just hearing the Mother Superior, you know, or I'm here, or I wake up and I hear Happiness, because it just almost feels like two different fucking songs when it goes yeah. from that part to the other, and it's like, God, dude, it just, it's so fucking awesome, and just, I scratch my head when I think about it and I listen you to it. I know I'm scratching now, man. I'm yeah, I scratch myself bald. This fucking this hairline, that is all. Raising a daughter through her teenage years and trying to figure out Beatles compositions <laughs> and how the fuck John Lennon came up with happiness as a warm gun. And I don't know how much, I mean, again, it's like everything's always credited Lennon McCartney. So, like, I don't know what Lennon or McCartney did with this, you know? Yeah. Like, I just, I know that it was primarily a fucking John Lennon tune. So, there you go. There was something else, like, too. Like, I'm a huge fan of The Clash. They credited a lot of theirs, like Strummer and um, Jones. Was that, like, a Beatles thing, too, or they're, yeah, like... I don't know. All those uh, songs, they shared credit, so... Yeah, I don't know how that worked on that one. Well, I think You're up we... again, because you got your number five now, So, because your number five was getting better. Yeah. Okay, so that's where our common ground was there. So... My number five, and this might be my most basic bastardish song, George Harrison song from Abbey Road, Here Comes the Sun. Oh. I knew that would be on your list at some point. Well, I yeah, knew it would be on there. I've always loved that song, man. It's like the guilty pleasure, like, because, and not that I feel guilty about it because it's a brilliant song, but it is like, out of my whole list, it's got to be like the most... Da 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 da, you know what Sing I mean? Song like, yeah, kind of like, like, yeah, you know. But that's the thing is like those songs are fucking great too. I mean, yeah. whether I'm just solely a fan of the song because of its artistic fucking brilliance, like "Happiness Is a Warm Gun," or it's just like a really great pop song. I mean, yeah, it's almost like, dude, like Abbey Road. George Harrison just comes out and is like, the songs he put on this album, it's almost just like fuck you for not letting me like i just kicked everyone's ass yeah you guys kicked songs. me to the curb for a while but now i've got to unload yeah all. now watch me make you my bitch you know well and to me like so i love the traveling wilburys okay especially yeah. the first oh, album yeah. the first album was so fucking awesome and this song is like it just epitomizes like George's contribution to the Traveling Wilburys. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many songs that when you listen to that record, you go, oh, fuck, that's Here Comes the Sun era George Harrison, right? Like, that's just that kind of, yeah. like, the folky, straight, straightforward kind for the most part, but it's this folky pop song. And then, yeah, it's but it's still got, like, some, you know, because let, let's face it, dude, at the end of the day, like, George Harrison couldn't have walked into a writing session in 1969 that far into the Beatles with John Lennon and Paul McCartney, like achieving everything they achieved and written everything they written, mm -hmm. right? He wasn't going to be able to walk in there and be like, hey, check out this song I got called Every Rose Has Its Thorn. And just play <laughs> like a three-chord progression and yeah. just basic-ass fucking pop song like it was gonna have to have like great lyrics great melody some fucking artistic integrity <laughs> i mean it wasn't True. it wasn't gonna just be you know yeah so anyhow 
there's my uh, there's my story all about. Here yeah. comes the sun. So I think I think we are at your number four. My number four. It's also from Abbey Road, and it's I want you. She's so heavy, dude. Yeah, that is another not on my list, but where a band kind of steered me to take a second look at the Beatles because typo negative. I got into those guys like 20 years ago, and they've got that Beatles medley at the end of World Coming Down, right? And it's like this. She's so heavy. There's actually been, I think, a few bands that have covered yeah. this. Like, I think Hailstorm covered it on yeah. their first covers EP I want thing. You. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Which is weird because I actually like like the yeah. Hailstorm covers better than their stuff, which is why I knew this and yeah. referenced it. But I, dude, that was one that I will say, if I made a top twenty list, it'd be on there. Uh-huh. But. Yeah. It may even make the top 50. It's not even just, yeah, typo negative making it sound cool. It sounds cool on its own, too. Well, because it's... Because it had yeah. to go somewhere from, you know... Well, in the way that the lyrics yeah. ride the guitar riff. I want you. And the guitar's going, boom, boom. wow, wow, wow. You know, like, yeah. it's... It's, yeah, dude. It's yeah. not very often that... I mean, yeah, it happens, but it's so rhythmically... And the guitar riff and the vocals are all in sync with each other, and it's choppy, and it almost sounds like it would be hard. Like if I wrote this, it would be a nightmare to me. Like, no, I can't do that. Like I can't. Like there's no way I'm gonna be able to pull this off. Huh? You know, just the way that the guitar and the vocals sync together, and it's fucking brilliant, though, man. I mean, again, it's another Have you testament seen to how great uh, they were. Too. Have you seen the um, Across the Universe? Uh, movie? I don't think I ever watched it, man. I can't really remember. I feel like <sighs> there was definitely a time period where when it came out, I wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like maybe I talked myself <laughs> out of watching it. I have a love-hate relationship with those kind of movies, man. Yeah, because I like, I think it came out and I wasn't a Beatles fan because it was like yeah. mid-2000s. Well, there was a girl I was dating years later, and she's like, you like music, you should... You should watch this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm that much of a Beatles fan. But the part where they used this song really stood out to me because, like, a guy's joining the army, and they have all these soldiers marching, and it's like, I want you. Because you know how the Uncle Sam, like, we want you or something. Yeah. So they do this really creepy, almost like they look like Nutcracker, you know, soldiers. Yeah. And then they're marching, and they're doing this, so it kind of stands out too. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't but, I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it. Was there there was another Beatles inspired thing though? Not too long ago, right? Oh, was that yesterday? I, I, yeah, I think See, I, I did didn't want to watch that. that because it was some weird thing where it's like the Beatles don't exist, but some guy writes their yeah. songs. Yeah, I, I watched it and I don't know, man. I kind of was kind of losing interest. I wasn't super into it. I never watched the Blinded by the Light thing, the Springsteen thing. Oh, see, I watched that and I actually kind of liked it. Did you? Yeah. Because I kind of, after watching the Yesterday thing, I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah, because there's a lot <laughs> so of music they... movies out that year. There was the yeah. uh, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, there was the Elton John. Right. And there was, the... yeah, that was the Yesterday. And the Blaze Blind, thing came Blind out. Which I thought the Blaze movie fucking smoked them all, to be honest with yeah. you. I don't know how many other people actually share my opinion it's on It's a that. hard watch, though, man. That movie's such, like, a downer. It is. It's a downer. It's not, you know, if you want a feel-good movie watch the queen movie if you want to 
relate to how shitty it can be to be a singer songwriter that is not a big rock star and everything like watch blaze anyhow we just keep going off in these where are well, we at here? Because okay. sit here, you're, just, you're this what happens four? when you drink beer yeah. and have a conversation. You forget these microphones are here. It's like, oh, we got a job to do. It's going to turn into a two-hour episode, but it's the Beatles, so what the fuck? Yeah. We yeah. had to. It couldn't just be a cut-and-dry quick one. So number four, my number four, and it's so funny. Okay, so back when the Let It Be Naked thing came out, and I was already kind of touching on how that's when I dove into Let It Be more than I ever had and really got into the songs that didn't that weren't the hits. The song Dig a Pony oh, was cool. one that just really fucking stood out to me. And I was just like, God, how had I never really heard this song before? Or I maybe I had, but just didn't grab me because it wasn't a hit or whatever. And you figure this is the time I'm really diving in and getting into shit. You know, this is yeah. this is me like late, late teenage years early i'm trying to think dude i want to say it was like my senior year maybe the year after i graduated Hmm. and i feel like somebody bought it for me for christmas i feel like i wanted it my mom might have bought it for me or something and it was at that time yeah i was really getting into the beatles a lot more even you know than my early teenage years of watching the anthology thing and diving into the songwriting and trying to, you know, be an aspiring songwriter myself, right? And something about that song, first of all, the title. It's ridiculous. You see it on paper, you go, dig a pony. Like, what the fuck? I dig a pony? Like, that's fucking dumb, dude. But, uh, you know, it always stood out to me as one of the best songs on Let It Be. And it was the perfect example of going from the verse sounding like one song to the chorus sounding like another song, but with it not being too much. Like, it's not as chaotic as happiness is a warm gun, you know? Like, happiness is a warm gun. You hear it, and you think, wow, that's really fucking brilliant that they somehow tied all that different shit together and made a song out of it, Mm -hmm. and it's a really great song. With this one, it's like, I feel like you don't even think about it, really. Like, you, you can manage to listen to Dig a Pony, and you don't realize the shifts that's how fucking good they did at writing this song so you know the chorus is just a big catchy pop song you know and the fact that they chose dig a pony the lyrics from the verse well and when you watch the documentary all i want is you yeah and you would think it would be called All I Want Is yeah. You, right? But and actually, when you watch the Get Back documentary, they touch on Like, there's a part where there was a scene where they refer to it as, oh, hey, let's, let's run All I Want Is You one time. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one of the other ones, like, say, Paul McCartney said that, and then John Lennon's like, oh, dig a pony? And then they <laughs> fucking play it, and then yeah. <clears throat> whatever. Like, now it's, we know it as dig a pony. But that was the crazy thing about the documentary was that song was such a focal point. Like, they play it so many times. I mean, I think that that song is played more than probably any other song. Hmm. On Like, you just see it and hear it more in that fucking documentary than any of the other songs. Get Back's probably like a close second, you know? And then there's a it's lot of because they were trying to really nail the shifts and stuff? Or I don't know. I mean, they just were... 
I think it. I think it's mostly because it was one of the first ones that came in, and that was the song that while I was enduring the three parts, at three hours a piece, damn near of this documentary, I'd watch a part, go to bed, I'd wake up in the middle of the night because I'm a fucking light sleeper and I'm always waking up in the middle of the night, and I'm always waking up in the middle of the night with songs in my head and shit, <laughs> and I constantly was waking up with Dig a Pony in my head. And I fucking love it, though. I mean, I love that song so much that I didn't fucking care, dude. I invite it to haunt me in my sleep all the time. That's something, too, with Dig a Pony. It's not on my list, but how I said I'd never listened to this album in full until uh, preparing for this episode, there's a lot of huge songs on this album, and then like I never knew what Dig a Pony was. And Kelly's like, oh, I really like this song, Dig a Pony. And I'm like... You like Dig a Pony? And I'm like, maybe I'll yeah. give it a listen or something. And then it kind of like. And I think if they called it All I Want Is You, yeah. it would have just been a hit. Like they would, It would have been like the no-brainer. Like, oh, make that the single. Yeah. But then they did some weird thing like, oh, let's call it Dig a Pony. Let's just take that fucking one line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that one <laughs> phrase from the first fucking line of the first verse. Okay. And. Let's just make that the title of the song, just to fuck everybody. Like I don't know what the point was yeah. of that, like, but it was so. It probably fucking... was. If it feels like a Lennon thing. It's probably like. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a... just gonna fuck with you. Yeah. And it was great, man. You know, because now, like, I have always been excited that it wasn't a hit, because kind of like the Norwegian Wood thing, like. Yeah, it's like your song. It's my song. Like, yeah. it's, it just feels like my own thing. Like I don't have to worry about it being played on 95.5 and the rest of the Taswell County listening area. (laughs) I don't have to worry about them enjoying it. I don't want you to enjoy it with me. I want you to fuck off and go listen to, you know, I saw her standing there or get back or get back or whatever for the millionth time. Back in the USSR. I want to go dig a pony by myself. Anyhow, I think at this point we are at your number three. We're at your number three. My number three. All right. So I haven't talked a whole lot about George Harrison, except that we know that he didn't have a whole lot. But number three is a George Harrison song. It's from Abbey Road, and it is something. And I think I remember how I said, riding around with my dad and my family going to church. There were these Beatles programs, like Beatle Brunch or something, and there's something where a song, an old crooner or a song guy, like I think they said Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin said that that was the best Beatles song, something. Frank Sinatra. Or something. And I yeah, think like, he covered it, I didn't it too really at one point. have any awareness of who Frank Sinatra was as a singer, but I knew he was an actor. He was in some right. movies and stuff. That was something from the radio that stuck with me in my head from like... I don't know, 25 years ago or something. So so my number three was A Day in the Life, right? And we already had common ground on that. Yeah. My number one and number two, I guess, really, like, they could be interchangeable. So I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it now. But my okay. number one that I had was something. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I'm just going to say it. I didn't want to say it now, but, like, I think that, like, to me, my number two is right up there with it like yeah. it's i could fucking any day of the week it would be different right like and you know i feel the same way kind of i know where you're gonna go but something the only thing i wrote down for a something was that maybe less is more mm-hmm. 
George Harrison didn't have a whole whole lot of songs, but maybe that's better he didn't have a whole lot of songs because they're more impactful. The songs that he has are like these kind of like powerful songs. Yeah, I mean he didn't stuff. he didn't come in with Yellow Submarine, so yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could have never yeah. had Yellow Submarine. But um I am in a complete fucking I really can't believe that that was one of your picks. It just didn't seem like a song that I thought you would have on your list. I don't know, man. I like love songs, though. But it's like, dude, that's a song that just the guitar part, meow, 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 meow. Like, it just melts. Yeah. And when I hear it, I melt like, fuck. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and just That's something, too, that seems like, it's so subtle. I don't know a lot about guitar playing, so sometimes when people talk about tone, well, this is in open, blah, 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 whatever, or this is in some kind of tone. I don't really know what they mean, but sometimes they say, too, with a guitar, it's the notes that you don't play yeah. versus the notes that you play, like an open, like this, like you know, <laughs> right. John Petrucci or whatever. Yeah. But then you've got George Harrison that's just like, boom, boom. And it's just like like how you said you melt. He doesn't yeah. really play a whole lot, but it's that like tone yeah. or just the and way what he, he doesn't goes, play. Bum, that, bum, bum, it's like bum. you said, man. Less is more sometimes, yeah. and it's like fuck, dun, dude. I'm kind of almost getting goosebumps dun, thinking about that song. And then at the end of the lick, it goes into the singing. You know, something in the way. She, I mean, dude, the way he sings too yeah. on that is just like there's such a subtlety. That's the word, subtlety. It's just like... Yeah, I mean... Sometimes it doesn't have to be this bombastic shit. It can be like down here. Yeah, man. It's... Yeah. No, I'm with you. I I don't have... You probably said more than I would have said. I'm glad that that you said... I'm glad you had this on your list before me because I feel like you sparked more conversation than I would have said. I feel like I just would have... Said, yeah, my number one pick is something, and then I just would. have I feel stood, like I'm talking up my butt, and I just would like have you know more guitar shit than I do, so I feel like I have to kind of come into this with, with more. I mean, I play guitar. I don't know knowledge. how much I know, but yeah, but you write songs I, and you play, so I don't know anything about tone. Like he, I'm saying. this song has always been special to me. It's always, always been guaranteed for the last two decades. Any day of the week, if you ask me, like about this song, I would have said it's one of my favorites, if not my yeah. absolute all-time favorite Beatles song. And, you know, for reasons that you just explained, like, it is the less is more thing. It is the the subtlety of it all and how George didn't get much, yeah. uh, you know, on the record, but then, like, holy fuck, like, he comes in with that and... Yeah, it's, like, almost... I'm not going to say all of his stuff was, but almost all of his stuff was home runs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> the bar was high, so yeah. I guess they weren't going to listen to him unless he came in swinging for the fucking fences. Yeah. But, man, he did it. And that's yeah. all I have to say about that. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so now we're on to year number two. My number two is Across the Universe from Let It Be. And it's one that it was like, it didn't come onto my radar really until um, watching the Across the Universe movie. 
And then even recently, Evanescence released a cover of it as well. And I don't know, there's something about this song where usually I never was a lyric uh, guy. I was more of like a fucking, give me a fucking riff, like Metallica, fucking Sabbath, White Zombie, give me some fucking riffs or something, some guitar shit. But this is just like, I, I don't know, it sounds just poetic or something, like across the universe... Um, like I can't sing, but it just sounds like poetry in. Uh, it's a cool song. Music. It's never been one of my favorites, though. Yeah. It just makes me want to cry. I don't know why, but I get it. Dude. I don't I mean, cry when I listen to it, but it makes me want to cry every time I hear the song. Makes me wish I had a heart so I yeah. could cry. Yeah, like I'm like the Grinch or something. Yeah. Like I don't have a heart, but you know, if I but did, but if I, I would, did, yeah. Basically, nah, that's I all get I have it, to man. say about that. I think, I think for me, Across the Universe has always been one that's like, it's a great title. has a beautiful sound to it. As a whole, it just the song never did that much for me. Mm. I mean, but, you know, there's certain times, there's moments where it comes on, and I'm like, oh, yeah. But I, I honestly just, it wasn't one that ever was in my consideration. Yeah. I, you know, I like the song, just... Again, dude, we're talking about the Beatles. You're yeah, talking about a band that wrote how many great before, songs. Actually, my number one and my number three are probably my top two, but it's something how you said yeah. it could kind of shift. It's hard once sometimes. you get – I felt like my top three were really, really, really tough, <laughs> you know, and like yeah. one of them being a day in the life and one of them being something. And then when I say, you know – Well, I think we got the same number one then. I don't know. We could. I think we do now. Do you want to say your... Well, because my number one was technically something. Oh. But I was oh. saying that my one and two were pretty interchangeable. Yeah. yeah, so they're basically... So my. do you want me to say my number two, or do you want to do your number one, and then I'll say my, what was my number two? Well, here's where I'm going with this. My number one is your number two. I know ah, without a doubt it's okay. the same song. You might be wrong. There's a lot of songs. Who wrote, who wrote it? Well, then there's still a lot of great songs who that wrote we it? haven't covered. Who wrote your number Mine's two? Mine's a John Lennon song. Oh, then we don't. Fuck, <laughs> dude. I thought we had the same one. Well, then what is it then? Mine is in my life from Rubber Soul. Oh, ding ding ding. Yeah. Ding. In my therapy. Life. Yeah, I don't want to say. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's a beautiful song. Yeah. That is a hard. Oh, damn. Song to not put up there on a giant fucking pedestal and just yeah you know and in all honesty like as we sit here and talk about it and as you were talking about something i'm like man i do love that song but actually your number two yeah it was in my life mm-hmm. that's more actually poetic than across the universes because he's basically saying in my life there's all these people that have come and gone and their memories and it's like looking through a photograph, or I mean, like a. Don't start quoting Nickelback. <laughs> Don't you a do it. A photo album. I was gonna say look a photo at this album. Photograph. Oh no! Like I'm not going that direction. I was saying looking through a photo <laughs> album, man. And you're like, "Fuck, dude." It is. He just was like. It is. I mean, that's the thing. Is like when you listen to "In My Life," it feels like you can almost picture him doing that yeah like going through a scrapbook or something and just his memories and just i don't know man that's a hard mm-hmm. thing to achieve i haven't figured out how to fucking achieve it i haven't written a song anything 
within the caliber of that kind of song. I, you know, and there's days where I sit there and slave over it. I write a song and I think, man, this is really great. Then I come back the next day and I'm like, no, fuck this. Fuck this. I want to write a Beatles song. I want to write something that like is just timeless, you know? And fucking, dude, you're talking this song, man. I mean, Rubber Soul came out in 65, I think. 64, 65? Yeah, yeah, 65. And Revolver was 66. And, which is crazy to think that those two fucking records came out with all those great songs. And it bummed me and, out. And back to back, yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> and it bummed me out to not have any songs off Revolver on here yeah. because I fucking love Revolver. I babbled enough about all that and how much I love this song, but I guess my point, 1965 and here we are in 2022, that is still one of the most beautiful fucking touching songs, you know, ever yeah. written. So I hear you. So now I'm almost glad that you had something on your list where I had to spoil my number one because mm. now I feel like after talking about it and really thinking about it more than I even did when I made the list, I feel like In My Life should have been my number one. Yeah. So now that I've babbled about that and you're trying, I don't have my glasses on, so I can't oh, okay. actually read that far. I mean, I could if I squinted. I'm surprised you didn't fucking have this song. Well, dude, I don't know what it is. I'm surprised you didn't have this song. But you're going to say it and I'm going to be like, well, okay. Like, there's so <laughs> many fucking songs that true, I, true. That I wish so I had. Songs. You could have had like um eight different lists or something. Oh dude, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I said, Rubber Soul, most of that record could have been my list. I mean. Yeah. All right. Andy, drum roll. My number You're one. You're hyping it up, dude. So my number better... one is While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, dude, I knew that was going to be on your list. Yeah. It's it's something where how I said I had to gain an appreciation for the Beatles. This is something that like I heard and it's just like it's almost like hearing music for the first time. Every time you hear it, like there's it's all a these fucking different like song. parts. And then there's something where I was watching that McCartney show, him and him and Rick Rubin, mm-hmm. and they and there's something how we've talked about different parts in songs. There's something where I've heard that, and it's almost got this start stoppy. Ding, 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 oh, ding. like the, yeah, I know what there's you're something, about, and but... I've heard that before. Listening to that song. Da 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 da. Is that the That's actually about? Paul McCartney's like bass. They like yeah. totally isolated it. And Rick Rubin's like, this would not work in any other song where you're playing against the song. You're like playing against this. And yeah. I'm like, that's that's what I hear that's so weird to me that stands out. Is like, yeah, he's like doing something fucking like abnormal in this song. That's what makes it's like a brilliant song, man. Yeah. No, dude, I love that song. Yeah. And again, if this was top 15, it would have made it. I struggled with that one not making my top 10. Yeah, like, maybe it's not really, like, the best, like, lyrically or something. Like, John Lennon, you know, we've talked about that. Or even Paul McCartney, like, some of these, like, heartfelt, like, Hey Jude or something. But this, like, musically, like, basically, like, blew my mind when I hear it. Yeah. Every single time I hear it, it just blows my mind. It's a great song. And I feel like, for some reason, within the last couple of years, it's gotten a lot of radio play. Hmm. 
whereas I don't feel like it got it that much before. Yeah, like I don't feel like I've really heard in discussions. I think maybe that's why it didn't make my list was because now all of a sudden like it is in regular rotation on 95.5 now. So now it's turned into one of those where it becomes an afterthought even as much as I love it. It's like, okay, but I've heard it a million times in the last week, you know. Yeah. And here's the other thing, though. That performance, when Prince got inducted in the Hall of Fame and George Harrison as a solo artist got inducted in the Hall of Fame after he passed, and there was the whole performance with Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne, Prince, George Harrison's son, that kind of owns the song now. Like, I have a hard time. Like, when I think of that song, I think of that performance. I didn't have cable at the time because this was 2002, three. I remember it was when Musicology came out and I saw Prince live on that tour. So it was shortly after this aired, I went and saw Prince down in Champaign. And all the guys I worked with always fucked with me for being a Prince fan. Because, I mean, I worked, like, in a factory, right? Like, so... They're all a bunch of gruff-ass, you know, whatever queer kind of mentality. And I was this guy that was a big fucking Prince fan. And so there was a guy that, you know, I was pretty cool with, a buddy of mine. I worked with him for many years. And there was, you know, Prince was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame as well as George Harrison. And I said, hey, man, you know, can I just bring you in a blank VHS tape or something? record it for me because this was VHS still like and uh so I remember he kind of laughed like yeah that's cool dad I'll, I'll watch it anyhow so because he was a music fan and stuff but not necessarily a Prince fan so he's like yeah that's cool I'll, I'll watch it anyhow so I'll just record it while I watch it okay cool so he comes in the next day and he's handed me the tape and he's just shaking his head and I thought my initial thought was like here we go. Oh, he's fucking with He's going to fuck with me like, oh, here you go, fucking faggot. Here's your little prince. You know, like that's kind of what I thought his mentality was going to be. And instead it was like, I go, what? Like expecting him to fuck with me. And he goes, dude, he goes, just wait. It was fucking amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, So then I'm at work all day just chomping at the bit to get home and pop this fucking VHS tape in because this wasn't. This was 2002. I didn't get on Facebook and see everybody post about what happened last night on the fucking award show. So I go home and I pop it in and I'm just, yeah, dude. I watch Prince's performance with his band when he gets inducted and my mind is blown. I'm like, fuck, this is so badass, you know. And then at the very end, there's like the big all-star jam tribute to George Harrison. And they do, while my guitar gently weeps and it's like... I'm almost weeping. My fucking jaw's on the floor. Just like a mic drop of a fucking guitar solo, right? <laughs> and it's just been going around the internet since, you know? But, yeah, dude, that was a epic masterpiece of a performance. And I guess, you know, like I said, like, you're giving me kind of not really a hard time, but you're like, I can't believe this isn't on your list. I guess that's like the long story version of why it's not on my list. It's almost become detached from being a Beatles song at this point for me, Hmm. you know, no matter how much I like it. 
you know. <laughs> so it would make your prince list, but not your Beatles yeah, list. Well and, <laughs> well, and like I said, I think that that was like, because of that, it just triggered yeah. it into becoming, it's taken on like a second life in the classic rock radio category, and now it's almost like overplayed and, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, but if I went and dropped the White Album on right now, I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of it when it comes on, you know, just like Obladi Oblada. I love that song, you know. Talk about such a poppy, yeah. you know, Obladi Oblada. Fuck, it's a great song, you know. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, too, the lyrics to the verse for that song, man, it's like the it's the original Living on a Prayer, you know. Tommy used to work on the dock. You know, <laughs> Juju on the marketplace. Tommy was it is. A <laughs> it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like, it's, that's all living on a prayer is. Mm-hmm. is a fucking, you know, 19, what, 85 version mm-hmm. of Obla Di Obla Da. Like, you know, with a bunch of big guitars and big slick production and shit. Yeah. And, Damn. Know, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but yeah. Well, I hope everybody continues to think of it that way from now on. I'm going to go ahead and call it a day on this, but this, I'm hoping we can do some more of yeah, bands like this, not yeah. just the Beatles, but like we've always talked about doing a Kiss episode, which just feels like it would be a big undertaking because we're big Kiss I fans. I do Metallica. I think Metallica would be fun. So... More to come, folks, and thanks for listening, and uh, Happy New Year. Hopefully you either loved or hated our list. Yep, we know you want to sing along to Hey Jude. Hey Jude, don't be afraid. Get back. Get back. Get back. And band on the run. Band on the run. This is a Sir Paul McCartney foreplay 4th of July. The more you give, the more you get. Awesome. On 95.5 GLO. As we celebrate Paul in St. Louis in August. Qualify starting Tuesday at 9 a.m. with Budweiser and 95.5 GLO.